So today is the last week in our present series on rest. And I hope um, you've been enjoying this series. Um, I think you'd, hopefully you'd agree with me. It's a very important topic, living in the culture that we live in today. And the sort of work ethic that we have around us, particularly in and around London here. I don't know if you remember back to the first week when Liam Thatcher was with us. He shared some quite frightening statistics about um, how much we work, how much time we commit to work um, as a nation. So over this series, we've been possibly looking at seeking to find a model of rest that is right for us as Christians, what we can um, live, what can bring about the fruit and the abundance of all that God wants to do through us. And um, many of the questions that we've looked to address in this series, and hopefully you felt like you've been able to grow in these things and, um, and understand them better. You know, why are we so busy to rest? Why do we find it hard to rest? Why is rest so important? What does rest look, for, look like for each one of us practically? What's the source of our rest? What does that look like? And then last week, Steve did a, a wonderful job at um, helping us think about how we work from a place of rest. Today, I'd like to finish this series by looking at rest as part of our inheritance as Christians, as our inheritance for every believer and follower of Jesus. Rest is and should be part of our DNA as people who know and follow Christ. Now, I'm wanting to learn and discover more about what this means for me. And, and I want us to do this together this morning um, by looking at Exodus chapter 33. So if you've got your Bibles, do turn to Exodus 33, um, verse 7 to 17. And these verses will also come up on the screen behind me, hopefully. Verse 7. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch, pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. So just a little bit of background. God's people are uh, moving through the wilderness. They've come out of Egypt. They're now in the wilderness. In fact, um, this was just after God's people had built um, and made an image of a calf out of gold. So we've just come to a point when um, we're learning about Moses, how he's now seeking God following that event. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrance to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud, we know of the pillar of cloud that would have led the God's people through the wilderness, this pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance to this tent while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, 
They all stood and worshipped. They all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to his tent. They worshipped God when they saw the presence, the, 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 the cloud, the pillar of cloud, they worshipped God. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. What a wonderful, wonderful thing that must have been. And then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Can you imagine what it must have been like for Joshua to be able to stay in that place where the Lord had dwelt and spoken to Moses face to face? Joshua, this man who then leads his people, leads God's people as they go into the promised land. Preparation ground, I'm sure, for Joshua as God leads, God's, as God leads the people into the promised land. Verse 12, Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Let me say this to you right now. God's presence is with us. We don't need to worry, as Moses did, that his presence wouldn't go with him. God's presence is with every single believer in Jesus Christ. God's presence is with you every moment of every day. I don't think it's, it's you know, in some ways, I don't think it's a, this morning as God spoke to us in the worship that you're not alone. God's presence is with you. God's presence is with you. When you go from here today, you know, you might really sense God's presence this morning as we worship. God's presence is with you when you get up for work on Monday morning. God's presence is with you when you're having a difficult time in the night times with your children. God's presence is with you when you're doing the washing up, when, you're, um, when the car breaks down. Draw from his presence every day, every moment of every day. The, Lord, the Lord's presence was with Moses. And here Moses says, you know, what will we do if you don't go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. God knows each one of us by name. Isn't that wonderful? Let me just pray. Father, I just pray. Impart something of your truth to us today as we come and look at your word, as we study your word, as we draw from you. Thank you that your presence is with us every moment of every day. And I just pray, impart something afresh to us what it means to rest in you, as rest being our inheritance as children of God. Amen. Wonderful. So, within this passage contains two of the great promises 
probably the greatest promises that God gives to his people. One being that his presence will go with them and us. And secondly, that he will give us rest. Charles Spurgeon, who's a, a great, um, I was going to say a great fan of me, but he's a great fan of mine. Um, he says this about these two promises. He says, God's presence and God's rest is like the ring of finest gold set with the choicest pearl. The benedictions are worthy of God himself and such as only his boundless love could have uttered. Think them over and use them as food for your souls. With them you may well be content. Even if the preacher's lips should be shut up as a spring, a sealed fountain. You do not need any sermon. Only let the Holy Spirit speak these words with power as coming directly from the great Father's lips to you. And your inmost soul will be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. I love that. I love his eloquent and the wonderful words in which he speaks. You know, Spurgeon says again, we do not marvel that the living God was angry because as I said earlier, this moment came right after God's people had totally rebelled and been disobedient and built and worshipped something else. We do not marvel that the living God was angry, but we are filled with astonishment that after such wanton provocation, that God should nevertheless turn away his wrath from them and say to them, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. The same is true for each one of us today. God has an inheritance of rest that's available to every single one of us. His Holy Spirit presence goes with us and gives us rest. You know, we have an awesome, loving, and gracious Father. The promise of his presence as rest was true for the people then. And it's true for us today. Today I want to look at five aspects of what rest as an inheritance means for each one of us as we outwork our faith in Christ. How we live in the knowledge of the rest as, um, as our inheritance. So firstly, the first thing, we have assurance of our salvation. We have confidence in God's plan of redemption. That is that through his blood, we are saved. That through, we sing about it this morning, through Christ's sacrifice on the cross, we have been saved, not just in this life, but for all eternity. We enter into a supernatural rest that we are accepted, that we're accepted by God. That God has a plan for my life, that he has a plan for your life. That the plan that he chose was to send his son to die on the cross. To give his life for each one of us. That he was the ultimate sacrifice. That he has made a way for each one of us to know God. There's complete assurance that this 
is true. It's a rest that comes from a confidence that no, Jesus is alive, that he's real, that no matter what happens in this life, that there is an eternal life of peace, of rest with our Heavenly Father, and no one can take that away. You know, there's an assurance, a confidence, as real as Abby sitting on this seat in front of me. There's a rest that comes from knowing, an inheritance that comes from knowing, an assurance that that is true. Secondly, rest as an inheritance means we no longer need to do anything in order to gain that rest. That rest is a gift of God. We don't need to do anything to acquire it, to know it. It's an inheritance. It's like, you know, you've just had a bereavement, you know, and we have in Christ in many ways. And you're sitting with the executor of the will in front of you. And he says to you, well, here we have, I have details of the will. And you've just inherited, it says on here, eternal life. You've inherited, inherited wisdom, grace. Actually, it says here you've inherited a crown of glory. In fact, this inheritance, it says here, this inheritance will never perish. It, it, it will never spoil, it will never fade. There's an attachment. And the attachment, is, there's some special papers that says you're no longer a, a foreigner, you're not an alien, but, but you belong. These papers say that you've been adopted, that you're adopted into a family, that you're no longer an orphan. You know, wow, I, I've not seen a document like it. This is like no other. I've never known this. What an inheritance you have as God's child. Wow. Um, it says here you've also received mercy. You've received power. You know, this is in, in your will. This is, this is yours. You've received power. Now, actually, it doesn't say what that power looks like in this document. It's not specific, but in small print, it talks of healing, talks of discernment, talks of raising the dead. My word, that's, that power is amazing. That's part of your inheritance. It says you've inherited great riches that cannot be destroyed by way of a war, Poor economy, disaster, anything. That's your inheritance. It also says, as part of your inheritance, that you can know rest. A kind of rest that dispels fear, worry, and despair. That's your inheritance. You know, rest... In some ways, it may seem quite small compared to those other things. But it's because of those other things that you can know a supernatural rest in God that you don't need to acquire, you don't need to gain it. It's yours. It's a gift from God. 32 years ago, seems like quite a long time ago now, 
I prayed a prayer to receive Jesus into my life. A prayer of repentance where Jesus came into my heart. And at the same time, I'd say I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I was 14 years old, but for several days, I was glowing on the inside with this great confidence of the reality of who God was, that he died for me, and that he was my saviour. That my sin had been completely washed away. Now this conscience was a this confidence, sorry, was a conscious infilling of the truth that went straight to my heart. It was a supernatural receiving of the Holy Spirit that was immediate and direct. And it came directly from God. From that day on, I knew that I didn't need to do anything to earn my place in heaven, that it had been given to me because of Christ. My place in heaven, my inheritance, my rest that came from that moment was brought by the blood of Jesus. I had a place, I have a place with God in heaven, which I'm really excited about. I have a rest in God and knowing in my heart that He is real, that goes beyond reason, a direct witness of the Holy Spirit that is straight to my heart. That Jesus is the truth. You know, in the world we live today, there are a lot of truths about. But Jesus is the truth. The only truth. That he is the real deal. Do you know Jesus today? Do you know that he is the real deal? The eternal truth. As we trust and look to him, he will go with us. He will give us what we need. He will equip us to be more than conquerors. He will enable us to be witnesses in the communities in which we live, in which we live and, and do the things we do. We enter into this rest as we receive the Holy Spirit. Today, if you're here and you don't know the infilling of the Holy Spirit, if you've never received the Holy Spirit, then can I encourage you to receive the Holy Spirit? If you're here and you're dry, you just, oh man, I want more of God. I want to know his Holy Spirit more. Can I encourage you to ask him for his Holy Spirit? Thirdly, we enter into God's rest as it enables us to be free. Knowing God's rest enables us to be free. It enables us to be free to be the people that God has called us to be. Each one of us here is very different. But God has called us to be his children and to serve him in lots of different ways. And actually, as we talk to him, as we spend time with him, he will show us what those things are. The rest, is, rest in God, as we rest in him, it enables us to be free. Our, our spiritual ears are made to be in tune with the Holy Spirit, to hear what he's saying, that we may step out in faith because we're in a place of rest. You know, we, there is no fear of the future 
because we are trusting in God's leading. We are free from worry about our health because we're trusting in the things that God is leading us into. We're free to encourage and bless those around us. We're free to be loving from a place of rest to every person we meet because that's actually who made, God has made us to be. You know, it's easy to love our friends, but God calls us to love our enemies. You know, I always wonder at that, what Jesus said in the gospel. Love our enemies. It's not easy. But as we're in God's rest, it enables us to be free to do that. It enables us to, be, um, to love the poor, the broken, the lost. But we can only do that from a place of rest. A place of rest of knowing Christ in us. This freedom and rest eventually came for the Israelites. Rest was enjoyed and experienced by them as they came to the promised land. And as we read in Joshua 21 verse 44, it says, The Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their ancestors. Not one of their enemies withstood them. The Lord gave all the enemies into their hands. There was a physical rest for God's people as they came into the promised land. There's a promised land for each one of us in this room. There are things that God has put in our hearts, promises, things that he would have us do and and be. Joshua 22.4 says, Now the Lord your God has given them rest as he promised. Return to your homes in the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side of the Jordan. God has had rest for his people and he led them to a place of rest. And God has rest for every single one of us. We can enter into the rest that is knowing Jesus. But rest wasn't always the experience of of the Israelites as we see um, in the word of God. They experienced much unrest. But why was that? Why was it that they experienced that? Well, if we look at Hebrews chapter 3 and 4, the writer of Hebrews is very clear that much of the unrest of the people of God were caused by their unbelief. And in turn, the hardening of their hearts, which eventually led to sin and disobedience. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 18 said, And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief and disobedience. <clears throat> the Israelites had not learned from the passage I read earlier in Exodus 33 what it meant to be God's children, what it meant to receive his love and his grace, to be heirs of the promises of God. God's people at that place were still stubborn, proud, and hard-hearted. They had come from a place of living in Egypt where they were slaves. They had strict, harsh, and you know, mean masters. They hadn't come from knowing a loving father. 
They still had to learn what it meant to trust and follow a loving and gracious father. And we know, we know that now because of Christ and, and his love impacting our hearts through the Spirit. But they didn't know that back there. But God can be trusted. Their hearts were easily distracted to sin and rebellion. And our hearts can be distracted too. If we turn away from God, if we do things in our own strength, if we entrust our lives to anything other than God, the result is the opposite to rest. You won't find the rest that God has for you if there's things in your life that are contrary to God. Hebrews 4, verse 11 says, Let us then, therefore, make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following the example of disobedience. Referring to the Hebrews um, chapter 4 refers to the unbelief and disobedience of the Israelites. But as we look to Christ, as we put our trust in our faithful and loving and gracious Father, we will find rest. The rest that brings freedom. Freedom to be the person who God intended for us to be. Okay, two more. Fourthly, we enter, <clears throat> as we enter into God's rest, as we know his rest is our inheritance, it enables us not to hold on to things so tightly. I don't know about you, but sometimes I just want to hold on to things. Um, whether it be my own sin or whether it be things that uh, I just don't want to change because you know, I've got older and I find it hard to change. But knowing God's rest, actually, I can let go of that because I'm trusting in God to lead me. We're released to be more generous, more forgiving, more gracious, because we're aware of the one who showed us a tidal wave of grace. You know, we, we're, we're, we're more generous because we know the one who's shown us a mountain range of generosity. You know, we got the privilege of driving through the Alps this holiday, and that mountain range, I mean, it's massive. He's given us a mountain range of generosity. He is such a generous God. And he's given us an immeasurable amount of forgiveness. You know, we rest, knowing that deep sense of rest in God enables us to forgive because we know how much we're forgiven. We are completely forgiven. You know, this is a rest this is our inheritance. This is the rest that I feel that God wants us to grasp today. That that just, wow. You know, there's an ability to forgive ourselves. This is rest. Sometimes, you know, we can be our worst enemies. And God is calling us to forgive immeasurably to those around us. That we will stand out. You know, I think we will stand out as the people of God as we demonstrate forgiveness. 
You know, whether it be to the person next to us, whether it be to somebody that just does something small. Forgiveness, I think, is, is such a massive hallmark of the Christian faith. You know, I, I was talking to my neighbour just the other day. On, in fact, it was last Sunday on the way home for church. I was cycling back from the station. And, um, and I just saw him up the road, because I do stop, he walks his dog, so I stop and talk to him quite a bit as he walks his dog. And I just thought, is it they? <laughs> sometimes, I don't know about you, but when you have an opportunity to sort of give a witness, sometimes you go, oh, I want to get home. <laughs> so there I was, he was in front of me, and I thought, okay, I'm going to stop and, and talk to him. And, um, and we started talking, and just talking a little bit about the, the summer. And this poor guy, he's been made redundant, he's been out of work for a little while, so things aren't so well for him. And we started talking, and as we started talking, I just felt the, the presence of God, and the words just come out. And it just, I could see that he just, he looked without hope. And just for a few moments, it was just literally for a few minutes, um, I got to talk a little bit about the hope that I have, that we have, in Christ. And I could see by the end of the conversation, it looked like he had some hope. There was a little bit of a spark in his life where I was able to share about actually trusting in Christ can give you hope as well. And the hallmark of Christianity is forgiveness. I was able to share with him about, because he was talking about how the things, as Trevor alluded to earlier, the things that are going on in the world. You know, what, what's going on? But I was able to share with him, there's something bigger. There's a God that's bigger. There's a God of love, which he can know, which he can turn to, which actually is what keeps me going and being a witness and encouraging those around me to also be a witness. And he saw something of the hope and the joy, and the peace that comes from knowing Christ. And he shook my hand at the end. He said, thank you, thank you so much. So you never know the difference that you can make to someone's life, even when you didn't want to and were very reluctant. Fourthly. Now I've done fourthly. Fifthly. Finally. Rest gives us the confidence and ability to persevere. The writer of the book of Hebrews, throughout the book, throughout this book of Hebrews, wanted to remind the readers, these uh, Jewish converts, of the supremacy of Christ, as Jesus is the mediator between God and humanity. That Jesus is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament Judaism. These believers were discouraged, they were waning in their faith. But time and time again, the writer of Hebrews encourages them, don't give up, hold on to the truth, hold on till the end firmly, firmly to the faith that you profess. Hebrews 10.35 says, do not throw away your confidence, it will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, 
you will receive what he has promised. Another great promise in the word of God. Be encouraged if you're needing to persevere at this moment in time. You will receive a reward. In fact, not just a reward, you'll be richly rewarded, it says in the word. Perseverance does lead to fruit, as we read in 2 Peter 1, where it talks about adding to faith, goodness, knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, I'll keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in the knowledge of Jesus. So as believers, I felt God would want to encourage us to know his rest and his presence. This was a promise not just for Moses and God's people back then, but it's also a promise for us today to come in line with his plans for our lives. You know, to choose, um, if you like, the analogy of surfing the wave rather than fighting it. You know, I don't know if you've ever tried running through water. It's virtually impossible. You know, we're on, on holiday. We, we're in a swimming pool and trying to chase the children as we're playing it. You know, I, I just couldn't catch them. They were away. Trying to run through water is difficult. Trying to fight God's purposes and plans was near on impossible. You, well, you just won't be able to do it. Try and surf the water. Try and float. Ask God what he is doing in order that you might outwork his purposes. Jesus, I did want to share this verse. Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. It's a promise really that we've been looking at all through this series. That the rest comes from Christ. See what the Holy Spirit is doing and come alongside him. And the final thing to say really as we conclude this series on rest, is not for us to sit and relax on our sun lounges and enjoy the rest, enjoy this inheritance that God has given us, but that he's given us that we might go, that we might share this wonderful promise of rest, of good news with others, that others might experience the joy, the peace, the truth that we know in Christ and the rest that we find in him. You know, have a think about who you might invite to the family fun day that we're doing in a few weeks' time. You know, it'd be lovely, wouldn't it, to invite some friends, some parents, maybe ask your children if you have children, if any of their friends from school want to come, maybe their parents might come. You know, let's be people who are sharing this good news with those around us.